0: Dr. Andrew grew up in a Middle Eastern country surrounded by Muslims but he never really showed any passion to share his Christian faith with them. That changed though when a Muslim man attended his church. Dr. Andrew was asked if he would talk to the guest.
1: We talked for about 25 minutes and I had very little knowledge of Islam. I had very little knowledge in the Bible, and as I was sharing with him about the cross of Christ, God just grasped his heart, and in 25 minutes, he was on his knees shouting to the Lord to save him. And I always say, when God grasped this brother's heart for Christ, he grasped my heart for for Muslims. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves jesus's words came true in the life of the apostles and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world join host todd nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help right now on the voice of the martyrs radio network
0: welcome again to the voice of the martyrs radio my name is todd nettleton and we are in our studio in bartlesville oklahoma with dr andrew now uh, as you know if you've listened to voice of the martyrs radio for a while sometimes we use only one name sometimes we use a fake name Uh, in this case we're doing both and you'll understand that as we talk about this brother and where he works in the world dr andrew helps the voice of the martyrs with some of our projects in the middle east Uh, he is involved in supporting christians even on the arabian peninsula Uh, so now you understand the need for security Dr. Andrew, welcome to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Let's talk a little bit about your background and especially how did God call you into this work supporting persecuted Christians and supporting frontline workers who are reaching Muslims for Christ in the Middle East?
1: Well, that's a very interesting, actually, development of events that took place. I was born and raised in a Middle Eastern country, into a family from a Catholic background where God was respected but never worshipped. I was born in a community that's majority Muslim people. I was raised facing the challenge of Islam from the beginning. I considered converting to Islam so many times because of what I was taught in schools and, and from my friends and people on the street. But in 1995, God sent me to attend a youth camp with a church that was in my town, and in that camp, I watched the Jesus film, and God just grasped my heart. And I think that's when my conversion started. Then um, that was in 1995. Then in 1997, I was baptized, and I started feeling what I call right now, calling. Back then, I did not know how to say that. I, <laughs> I, I just felt a burden. Whenever I saw a Muslim, I really—my heart was on fire that— I want to tell him about Christ because I know that he's living a lie right now. So I struggled with the Lord for two years, actually, from 97 to 99. And I rejected what he was calling me to do because raised up in the Middle East as an Arabic Christian, being faced with persecution from Muslims in schools and in mosques, making fun of you and curse you, that develops a resistance that i don't want anything to do with with these muslim people until one day in 1999 when a muslim person came to our church and after the service i went to introduce myself he he told me his name and that was obviously a muslim name and deep inside i was really furious why did god allow this person to come in our church our church is a clean church we don't Accept Muslims. And I'm sure for a lot of your listeners, they will be surprised what kind of Christian I am. (laughs) But that's what it is when you are raised in a culture that persecution is part of your identity. You cannot run away from this. You cannot run away from the feelings that they develop inside you. Um, Unless you surrender these feelings and your heart to God to reshape it and to clean it, these feelings will overcome you. So long story short, I got to talk with this guy that came to our church, and we talked for about 25 minutes, and I had very little knowledge of Islam. I had very little knowledge in the Bible, and as I was sharing with him about the cross of Christ, God just grasped his heart, and in 25 minutes, he was on his knees shouting to the Lord to save him. Wow. And I always say, when God grasped this brother's heart for Christ, he grasped my heart for for Muslims. And that's when I had to to go on my knees and to repent and to ask for forgiveness for God for what I have done. Because for two years, I lived in a life of rebellion against God's calling. And so after that, I started reading the Bible in different perspective. I started reading the Bible in order to communicate the gospel to Muslim people. And it became a priority in my life.
0: And I know one of the things about reaching out to Muslims in the Middle East is at some point that's gonna bring attention, uh, pressure, persecution on you. That happened in your case. You, you've you had times where the secret police showed up and said, hey, we'd like to talk to you. What does that look like? And, and just share some of those stories of, of how that's happened and, and what that persecution looked like for you.
1: Yeah, it's interesting actually that most of the persecution that I had, I had it from the government, but not from the people. I can barely remember maybe one incident where I felt kind of harassed by another Muslim, but they have always been very friendly to me, even as I'm criticizing their faith, criticizing the Quran. They were still open-minded, and that's something I really want to encourage your listeners to, to think about. We need to separate the people from what we hear in Fox and News and in seeing in other uh, other media outlets.
0: Yeah, you're you're 100% correct. And I think that too, having had the privilege of traveling to that part of the world, if you just watch the news, you think, here I am, I'm an American and I'm a Christian. Everyone in the Middle East hates me, right? But then I go over there and the people are so warm and so welcoming and come in, let's drink tea together. Tell me about your country. Let me tell you about it. Like you say, we need to not... Buy into this: all Muslims hate us. All Muslims hate Christians. That's true. Uh, and and take people one at a time, and just meet them where they're at.
1: Yeah, actually, when when they see when Muslims and even Arabs in general, when we see somebody coming from from a European or American background coming to our country, the only thing we see in them is just somebody with white complex, and he has a funny accent when he speaks in <laughs> Arabic. Uh, we don't see like a dollar sign or a death a death opportunity for him or anything. So what I found really interesting after I finished my degree the Lord relocated me into a part of the Middle East where I got to practice my profession and at the same time I was pretty much the only Christian in that area and I got to share the gospel with so many people and they were all willing to listen they were all willing to to consider what I'm saying opportunities opened over and over again during that I only had one time when a Muslim sheikh spit at me and kicked me out just because I was Christian. But months after I I kept visiting him and uh, trying to to help him in his situation, we became really good friends and he started inviting me for breakfast and lunch together. Actually, he cooked me once a meal, a dinner meal. That was one of the best meals I've ever had in my life. It was so delicious. (laughs) We started having so much uh, fun together and even with the age difference, but we were really close. At one point, he was sharing with me, telling me that Islam is not terrorism and Islam is a peaceful religion. And when people ask me these questions, I don't care about discussing Islam with them. My ultimate goal is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And and that's what I, I did. And I started telling him about jihad in Christianity because the word Jihad literally means a struggle, and we have it in different parts of the Bible. In the Arabic Bible, the Arabic Bible uses the word jihad. So I was sharing with him about the Christian jihad and how we view jihad as a, a struggle against sin and against our the evil in this world. And I was sharing from Psalms 22 about the jihad that Christ has had to go through on the cross and all the struggles that he had to go through. And this guy, he was just on tears as he was listening and at that point I, I knew that God is working on his heart and uh, that's when I have to stop. Then as the work and the ministry grew in, in, in that part of, of the Middle East, the secret police started to hearing to hear about, about what I was doing and they started coming to me and I remember one day they came, picked me up from the place I used to work in, picked me up and drove me to their office. On the way I asked them, I said, do you have a warrant? to to arrest me and they asked for my computer. I said, do you have a warrant to get my computer? So the driver looked at me from his rear mirror and he said, man, you watch a lot of American movies. (laughs) You are in this country, we don't need a warrant.
0: (laughs) Don't ask about the warrant. Yeah,
1: (laughs) so um, anyway, long story short, I, I start going there on a regular basis to being interrogated. They have never persecuted me physically, but in so many other levels. And almost in every single time I got to share the gospel with these people. Wow. Um, And they one day they asked me about if I give out Bibles. And I said, I absolutely do. And he was telling me that this is illegal. I told him, no, it's not illegal. There is nothing in the Constitution that says do not distribute Bible. And I told him, if you want, I can show you that my Bible that I give out is not something you need to be afraid of. He said, and how are you going to show me? So I said, actually, I have Bibles in the car. So he let me go to the car I grabbed some Bibles, I gave him and to, another, to other officers, gave them Bibles. And, and so many times they ask me, what are you telling people? What are you telling Muslims when you go to, to their homes or where they live?" And that's a wonderful opportunity to share the gospel <laughs> with them, you know.
0: Let me tell you, I will give you the exactly what I told them. Oh. Exactly,
1: and, and they got to hear the gospel over and over and over again. So one day when they stand before the throne, they have no excuse before the Lord. They have already heard the gospel.
0: What was their fear, or, or what were they trying to get you for leading Muslims to Christ, or did they see you as as a political threat or as a a treasonous person.
1: So, one day, a professor of mine said something that I really, really, really appreciate and it became kind of a theme in my life. He said, never sacrifice the gospel on the altar of politics and it became a rule in my life. So, that's why they have never seen me as a political threat because I don't talk about politics. Mm -hmm. I only talk about God. Do you want to hear about God? Come here. That's where you'll find me. You want to talk about politics? Everybody else loves to talk about that. (laughs) I don't talk about it. So, I cannot tell you what their inner motivations are but what they told me that by preaching the gospel they know that more and more people will come to faith and that can cause disturb within the country that I used to live in and uh, and they are afraid for the political climate and from radical Muslims and I keep telling them that's your job to do is to protect my freedom of of, of preaching my religion. Uh, to other people. So mainly they were looking for the security but I don't know if they have other motivations for that.
0: How do you prepare yourself to go through that that kind of challenge? You know, if the police show up at my doorstep and arrest me, I'm going to be I think I'm going to be a little freaked out and thinking, okay, you know, what's going on here? How what's going to happen to me? How am I going to deal with this situation? How do you, in your heart and in your spirit, say, okay, Lord, I don't know what's going to happen. How do you get ready for that? Well, often people
1: think when they hear the the stories of of the persecuted Christians, they think that those are heroes. They do everything and they are not afraid. No, I was terrified.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank thank you for saying that. (laughs) I was
1: terrified, like waiting in a dark room, for four or five hours before meeting with someone and you have no idea what's going on every single time i was terrified you know it's a super scary thing to go through and so how
0: do you overcome that
1: so what what you have to know is memorizing the bible is not the thing that like people say i want to memorize the bible so i can go and like live through persecution the only thing will carry you through is to know who god is and that god is worthy to do that persecution is part of the christian faith whether we like it or not persecution will come philippians 1 tells us that uh, it was given to us not only to believe in him but also to suffer for his sake so i think a lot of time hours of prayers and and just preparation studying the bible knowing god more knowing who god is not only knowing about god but knowing who he is he's the only one that will be able to carry you through it i was really scared every single time i go there I'm really scared. When I travel into restricted and hostile nations, I'm freaked out at the airport. Recently, I was traveling and, and they held my passport and I had, they interrogated me for one hour as I was getting into the Arab Peninsula. And I, I was like hoping they will not look through my phone, see all the emails I have on my phone, and they were not looking through some of my luggage and see the literature that I have on, with me. And um, so being afraid is not the problem. The problem is letting this fear control you rather than
0: the reality of who God is to control you. So four or five hours in a dark room at the police station, what what do you do during that four or five hours? Are you just praying? Are you trying to remember scripture or are you freaking out?
1: Okay. Okay. So remembering after the first hour or two, you'll forget all the scriptures you remember, (laughs) brother. (laughs) So the only thing I just like reflect on on the, the things that I have been doing in the past few months. What are the things that they might raise and how can I answer them wisely? And I just pray that God will give me a word. To, to protect the people that they serve with me and also to witness for his glory and, and his gospel. And
0: and how have you seen him answer that prayer? Because the Bible promises, the Bible says, don't worry about what you're going to say. I'll tell you what to say.
1: Absolutely. How
0: has God fulfilled that scripture in your life?
1: Absolutely. Well, so many times people will, these officers will come to me and will ask me, they will say, as we mentioned, what's the gospel that you preach? And that's where I feel like I'm getting getting into my a sawbox, you know, that's what them something I love, something I'm passionate about. And that's when, when I get into talking about the gospel, I forget everything else. And that's where you feel God's hand on you. So many times these officers will get so frustrated, so upset, so they start shouting at you. And somehow that's when you see God's hand just in your heart. And it's it's just amazing. Like sometimes sometimes I cannot explain what I go through, but the peace that I have as we are going and as I talking and see actually this officer, the maximum he can do is to kill you. And that's technically, it's not killing you. It's just changing your address. (laughs) So instead of living in Oklahoma, let's say, you will be back home with with the Lord. And that's the best anybody can do for you. (laughs) So God has been answering that, but just opening opportunities. And even the hours that I'm spending in the dark room, after that, I know that there will be opportunities to share the gospel.
0: What an amazing testimony of really the, the veracity of Scripture. What what the Scripture says will happen, happens. You feel that peace. You feel that sense of God's presence. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Dr. Andrew. He is one of our contacts working in the Middle East. You've sort of answered this already, but but what are some of the blessings that come out of persecution? You've talked about the presence of Christ and the peace that you feel in that situation. Maybe some of the brothers and sisters that you work with there, what are some of the the blessings that you see in their lives through interrogation, through arrest, through families turning their backs on them, through persecution? How do you see blessing?
1: So let me tell you a story that happened with me as I was traveling in the Arab Peninsula. I went into one country, which is a very restricted country, and it's really difficult to get for most people to get there and even to meet with the Christians there. I went to preach in an underground church in that country, and the leader of that church took me home that day, and we were having supper together. And so one of the questions that I asked him, I said, Brother, tell me, in your country, do you have any liberal theology? And he looked at me, and he started smiling. I was like, why are you smiling? He said, Brother, praise the Lord for persecution, because it purified the church. Amen. You know, and persecution purifies the church. If you are not a true believer, a really a branch that abide in the vine of Jesus Christ, you cannot handle persecution because there's nothing worthy for you to be suffering for. So persecution really shows you the, the good from the bad, the, the real believer from the one that because nobody will be persecuted for something that does not believe in. So persecution, I think one of the prom of, of the blessings is that it purified the church. And the second thing, it helps church members to come closer to each other. When you only have five families, that you know that those are families that went through persecution and uh, persevere in persecution, you know that they have, they have a genuine faith. And those are the people that you want to invest your life with. So it's, it encourages the, uh, the relationship in the church and empower people to trust each other more. I know if, I, if I, can, I can go longer on that. But persecution, if it's seen from a biblical perspective, it will be a blessing. It's, it's never a curse.
0: Let's talk about the Arabian Peninsula. And as you mentioned, these are countries that are highly, highly restricted, very closed off to the gospel and yet people are coming to faith in Christ how is that happening how is the gospel reaching past all those barriers and and getting a hold of people's hearts
1: so from the year 2000 until today we have seen more muslims coming to faith than any other time period in a human history we have never seen a movement of muslims coming to faith as we have seen in the past uh, 17 years, praise the Lord. And I think media plays a huge role in that. Radio stations, I think they started the first and I have seen a lot of people who came to faith and they, they became actually uh, a full-time ministering and evangelist in their countries because of radio stations, TV, internet. So I I think that the beginning it starts with somebody hearing about Christian radio or Christian uh, TV channel start looking into it usually people get upset because this is not what they have been raised on they are upset why they criticize islam then as god starts working on their heart they will come to realize that hold on these people they have a point and they start studying and and that's when things start to change for them they come to faith sometimes often they meet with other local believers or other, other international, like missionaries, and those missionaries will share the gospel with them, and they will come to faith. So mostly I think media has been one of the biggest tools that God has been using, in the, especially in the Middle East, North Africa region, uh, with the effort of missionaries being in, in that part of the world.
0: How open are Muslims on the Arabian Peninsula in, in terms of how, how devout are they about Islam? Are they Muslims because they have made the decision, yes, I think this is true and I want to follow it, or are they Muslims often because, well, you know, my dad was a Muslim, everyone around me is a Muslim, so I'm just going to be one too.
1: You cannot separate Islam from the culture. These are two things that they come together. Actually, you cannot separate it even from politics because these are all the holy trinity pretty much in Islam. (laughs) They all come together. You cannot be a Muslim without living like a Muslim, and you cannot be a Muslim without looking to have a, a, a political power that's abide with the Islam
0: and with the Sharia. And it's, that's so important for Americans to understand. We, you know, America has this concept of the separation of church and state. I've, I've tried to tell people there is no separation of mosque and state. You, you, no, there they're is they're no all such one. together.
1: Yes. Now, some reformers, Muslim reformers, are trying to separate that, but that's not the view of the historical, traditional understanding of Islam has always joined both of them together. That's why in Islam they called it Amirul al the uh, the prince or the leaders of all the believers. That's the one who governs the country in Islam. Now you ask about how open they are, and people will be really surprised to know that Muslims are eager to talk about their religion. Because they think, Muslims think, and that's what the Quran teaches and Islam teaches, they think that as Christians, we went... In excess in our religion, Um, in Quran, chapter number 4, verse 171, it says about Christians and Jews, do not exaggerate in your religion. Hmm. So our exaggeration, it is that we start worshiping Christ instead of worshiping only God or Allah, uh, and, and Christ is a prophet. So they feel sorry for us that we have went astray. So they are eager to come and tell us about about their faith so it's
0: not offensive to talk about faith to a muslim they actually want to have that conversation it's actually
1: very cultural because muslims with each other they talk about faith with with non-muslims they talk about faith this is a, a central theme in their life and actually you will be doing them a favor by talking about faith it's kind of a for a western mind what i'm about to say is kind of weird but talking about faith is icebreaker for muslims
0: We've been talking today with Dr. Andrew. That's not his real name, but we're protecting his identity for his security. We heard how he went from being indifferent to the Muslims that he grew up with and then how God changed his heart so that today he's actively sharing Christ in the Middle East. Stories like this can give you and me a more compassionate heart for sharing the gospel. I hope that's what happens as you listen to these conversations. Dr. Andrew just gave us some good advice about sharing our faith with Muslims. And you know what? When we learn how to share our faith with Muslims, that also helps us grow in sharing our faith with everyone, regardless of the background that they come from. You can find many more conversations like this one in the archives at vomradio.net. I hope that you'll explore some of the programs there and watch your heart for the world and for your own community grow as you hear from people literally willing to risk their lives to share the gospel. While you're there, click on the newsletter sign-up link at the top of the page and request VOM's free monthly newsletter. That website again, vomradio.net. We cut in halfway through my conversation with Dr. Andrew, and we're going to pick up again next week with him He's going to continue to help us grow in our excitement for evangelism and help us grow in knowing how to share our faith with the people around us. So I hope you'll be back to hear that part of our conversation next week, right here on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.